Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Good morning, church. Uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, we're going to be doing things a little different each week. We've been able to come together uh, and minister together, worship together, and hear from God's word together. And uh, we're doing it this week a little different as Pastor Justin and I are actually in separate areas. We are doing our best to lead by example with the uh, governor's latest order of social distancing. And so, uh, Pastor Justin, how are you doing this uh, fine day? I'm feeling uh, super germ-free right now. (laughs) That's good. Safe. So as we've been kind of walking through uh, this week and we've been talking and praying, I'm excited again to be with all of our Salem hiders and be able to share from God's word some things that God's impressed on both of our hearts. But uh, uh, one of the places that we were talking about this week um, came out of 1 Peter chapter 1. And uh, I'll just read it, starting in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Uh, Pastor Justin, when you hear that passage, what are some of the things that kind of uh, stand out to you? Well, I think the thing that we were talking about was the fact that suffering is not brand new. And this passage came up in our staff meeting. Many of the guys were um, working through the the consistent statement that Peter has to not only his generation but every generation after that with regards to suffering um, when we're encountering suffering we need to make sure that we keep our eyes on Christ and there uh, the value that 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 has uh, is not just for the moment um, it's not just something that lifts your soul, but he says there is a work that's going on that will actually impact the way that you view your salvation. Uh, you begin to look at eternity differently when your fingers get pried off the stuff of earth. And so uh, we're in the middle of one of those moments. Yeah, I think for me, as we talked this week, it was this idea of a living hope. And I know that in light of the virus and in light of all the things. The concern is people catching the virus, getting sick, and, and, and having those kind of uh, repercussions from this illness. And, and this idea of living hope for me just yeah. kind of reminds me of a hope that is alive, a hope that is um, healthy and growing. 
And I came across in my study of this passage this week a quote from Warren Wiersbe. He says, it's a living hope because it's grounded on the living word of God and was made possible by the living son of God who arose from the dead. And I love how Peter here talks about how this inheritance now, which is the thing that we're hopeful in, the thing that we believe in, this, this eternity with the Father, is something that is kept in heaven, and it cannot be touched by anything down below. So all those things right now, we're trying to keep our kids safe, we're trying to keep our church safe, we're trying to clean all the surfaces and wash our hands. Um, we're worried that we might contract the germs, and might, we might be able to come in contact with it. Peter is reminding us that there is nothing here on earth, nothing in this current situation that can touch what's kept in heaven for us. And, and he says, this is what you rejoice in. This is what you focus on right now. Um, and he's speaking to people that obviously were facing a lot of persecution and a lot of uh, you know, uncertain times. Yeah, isn't it interesting what we have come to view even as hardship? Because I, I think we are facing days that are uncertain. And that's been our theme for now. It's the third week that's happening. But uh, we exchange one set of hardships for another. So, yeah, we're supposed to be healthier at home. But I, right now, I'm, I've got my computer sitting on, you know, a, a box of pork rinds in the corner of my office. <laughs> up in the house so that my my camera can see me and uh, I'm like man I'm gonna be sitting here eating Pringles until I get uh, free of this place I'm not sure I'll be healthier when I escape but the uh, uh, the concerns are real and um, I think one of the things that's happening is suffering also pulls away from us some stuff that kind of becomes our idols and we we used to measure the world by one set of fears. What am I going to lose? And now we're beginning all of a sudden to realize, wait, there's a different measurement that I needed to be looking at. And in fact, while we were talking about that um, during our staff meeting, there was a, a verse that we'd heard multiple people preach on um, and a story. And, and what we thought we would do this week is go away from uh, four different passages that we had uh, reflected on and just go to an Old Testament story that all of us had uh, heard from one person or another. And it feels like it's a, a word for the church that uh, the Spirit of God has stirred many people to read this even in their own quiet time and comment on it. And so we wanted to share with uh, all of you, Salem Hiders, Second uh, Chronicles 20, uh, a moment when one of the kings of Israel is facing uh, a hardship and, and he had everything going right for him. And all of a sudden he gets an attack that he did not anticipate. Yeah. And so this is a, a story we find in the Old Testament about a king named Jehoshaphat, which is maybe someone you're not familiar with, but he was the son of a man named Asa who was not a follower of God. Uh, even on his deathbed, it said he did not turn to the Lord, but he turned to medicine and the doctors, and he he kind of just died a defiant death towards the Lord. Uh, but that didn't pass on to his son Jehoshaphat, who said, uh, it says in uh, 2 Chronicles 17 that 
um, the Lord was with him because he walked in the ways not of his father Asa, but of his father David. So he's the one that's given credit for one of the kings that's given credit for a season in their history of returning the people back to God. And, and because of that, as we see God's promise and his faithfulness throughout the, the scriptures, uh, because of Jehoshaphat's obedience to God, his uh, removal of idols and false god worship, it says that there was an abundance of riches and honor bestowed upon that. And so much so that that name was great again. And the people around um, him and his people, yeah. they feared him. But we come to chapter 20, and it says that some messengers had come to Jehoshaphat and had told him that there were three uh, groups of people who had come together. They had banded together, and now we're going to attack him from the east. And Again, this is a guy who's been seeing prosperity, a time where the country was strong, a time when his uh, reign was going well. Uh, people were responding well, and God was put back in that place. And yet, um, it says that he heard this report and became afraid. But it's what, we, what he did in that situation that we really want to focus on this yeah. morning, and that is, it says that he turned to the Lord to seek him. It says he was resolved that he was, get, he was going to go to the Lord, and he actually calls for a nationwide fast for the purpose of everyone praying and seeking out what God would have them do. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 5, it records his prayer. It says this, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard, and he said, Lord, God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of your nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Have they lived in the land, and have you built a sanctuary in your name? And you have said, if disaster comes upon us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you, for your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of our distress, and you will hear and deliver. Now here are the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. You did not let Israel invade them when Israel came out of the land of Egypt, but Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. Look how they repay us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. And as yeah, we listen to that prayer, prayer. Um, that, last, that last line, I know um, there are four things that kind of stand out to us from this prayer uh, that Pastor Justin um, is going to lead us through. Yeah, and one of the things you and I talked about is because of uh, uh, the fact that technology tends to glitch out on my end of the equation. <laughs> I'm going to walk through these points, but we're going to have you, because uh, you're on the recording side of this scenario, uh, maybe unpack some of the thoughts that are in here. Uh, but we, we focused our... Uh, the study for this Sunday around that acronym prayer, um, actually pray four different uh, things that we need to think about. And the first letter there in that acronym is P, 
and we we focused on praise. This prayer starts with praise. And what we need to remember is that when we're praising God, we are letting our head remind our heart who God is. We need our, our truths that are drawn from Scripture to flood us once again. And that's what the king does in this moment. He reminds them of, uh, reminds himself, hey, you're the one that's in heaven. You're the one that's still in control. And even though I didn't see this happening, this right now, this moment is still under your domain. You're the sovereign God. And I'm reminding myself who's really in power. Yeah, I think, I think this is such an important thing as we talk about prayer, because oftentimes prayer is something we do uh, when things become chaotic or unforeseen ex, um, circumstances come in our way. We'll go yeah. to the Lord and ask him for something. We'll ask him for help. But consistently throughout scripture, all these examples that God sovereignly inspired to be recorded for us to read and to learn from, these examples of prayer, we see time and time again, it doesn't start with the request. It starts with an acknowledgement of who God is. You see that with yeah. Nehemiah. You see that with David throughout the Psalms, where this praise is what needs to kind of flood our thoughts because it, it primes our hearts, I think, to remember who we're talking to, yeah. who is still in control, and who has been faithful. And I think last week we even had some discussion questions, and one of the questions that families hopefully had a chance to discuss was, you know, what do we have to be thankful for right now? And, and there was kind of like, a, not an edict, but kind of an encouragement. Make a list, like right now, list them out. And because there are a lot of things that we can be thankful for. And has, having had a chance this week to talk to a number of our people, calling them up and checking in, um, they're sharing what God is doing and how God has been faithful. And so this, this idea of praise, as we go to the Lord and we continue to seek Him for a solution, seek Him for the answers. Uh, let's start with praise. Let's start with reminding ourselves through the verbal articulation of our prayers of who God is, what he's doing, and why he is worthy of our complete dependence on him um, for a solution. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. We start with praise, and then the next letter in that acronym there is R, remember. And there's two things that Jehoshaphat remembers in this moment. He remembers what God has done, and he remembers that this is God's story, not his. So that's what we're asking um, uh, each of you, Salem Hiders, to think about is um, we need to take a moment to remember what it is that God has actually done in history. And Scripture is the place that records those activities of God. He says, this is the kind of uh, God that I am. This is how I act. These are the things that I accomplish. Remember what I have done. And remember that this entire story that is unfolding is all about my glory. I'm the one, uh, if it fails, it's a story of my failure. Um, if there's success here, though, that should also be a, a story of his success. It shouldn't be if there's success, we get the glory. And if it fails, it's his fault. This entire thing is his story. We're just, uh, as uh, one of our, our uh, good folks at the church reminded me, uh, there's a sense in which we're just bit players in God's story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that idea of remembrance, I think, 
kind of ties really closely to praise, yeah. but it's uh, sometimes looking at those things that are not as personal, but are uh, definitely real testimonies to who God is. And so we can look at the stories of what God has done throughout the course of human history that can really solidify our, our feet. And as yeah. we wait on him and we think about we're, when we wait on him, I was, I was reading another text this week that kind of talked about the importance of waiting on God. And that waiting is not kind of just tossing and turning, just kind of looking at our watch, tapping our fingers, uh, waiting for God to come. But it's this focus on him uh, that we're not going to move until he moves. But when he acts, when he directs, we're going to be ready to go. And yeah. why do we do that? It's because he has shown himself throughout the course of history as being worthy of that. And so um, here Jehoshaphat is, is pointing out to God not only what he had done currently in their kingdom, but this is the guy that had driven out, driven out all of the opponents before. Yeah. This is the God who had, had delivered them into this place and, so, and had led them to build a place of worship and to, and, and to make the, the kind of commitment as a people that when things start to go awry in the future, what we're going to do is we're going to stand before the Lord. And, and, and I love uh, in the translation I'm reading out of this morning, it, it uses the word that the people said that they committed to saying, if disaster comes upon us, um, this idea that something comes unexpected and it can be in the form of all kinds of things, sword or judgment, pestilence. There's that word famine. Yeah. It says we will stand before this temple before you for your name is in this temple. and We will cry out to you because you uh, will hear us and deliver us. And so that's the commitment. Um, but that commitment is built on the past uh, evidence that he is uh, going to be faithful and dependable. Yeah, I think uh, I can remember one of the first gospel songs that I'd listened to. And uh, it was an old gospel choir out of the South. Uh, and the song that they were singing was called, He's an On-Time God. And he goes through uh, all of these major battles for Moses. Uh, he showed up not when it was easy, but he waited until the temperature was really hot, right? And he showed up right on time. And for Joshua, he shows up right on time. And for David, he shows up when he's in the battle with Goliath. And it's always just right on time. Um, God shows up and we need to remember that's what God does is he waits till you see you've got no power uh, and, and that's where they end up. But he starts by saying, remember my character. So I think that's a really good point. And that kind of uh, reminds me of, of the passage we mentioned earlier uh, in first Peter chapter one, because mm -hmm. it uses this idea of refining that through going through these, these yeah. short term, this, this process of trials, which is, and he uses the illustration of gold being refined and how these trials refine our faith, which leads us to experience ultimately the, the fullest, perfect ten, a sense of salvation in the future when we're going to be with him in heaven. But the idea of refining is, it, you know, a refiner watches that metal in the fire and it yeah. leaves it in there to the right perfect moment. And then it pulls it out, not a moment too soon and not a moment too long. And so God is going to leave us in these things just for what he needs to accomplish in us through us but he, and he but he's not going to just leave us in there because we're valuable to him yeah so praise remember first two there and appraise um 
the uh, the A in that is a praise, and that is that we need to consider our situation carefully using the right measure. Um, Jehoshaphat was measuring his kingdom just one chapter earlier based on all of the safety. Uh, economically, they're in a good place. Uh, even spiritually, they're in a good place. But he's uh, realizing he hadn't taken a look around outside his borders to see if something was coming his direction. Uh, he'd been focusing on a different metric, and all of a sudden, um, he realizes, man, I, I was one measure short. And I think what we're finding in our nation right now, that kind of discussion is happening. And it starts happening as people try to find out who to blame. Um, but one of the things that we find out is that we actually develop systems in our own life where we measure life and say, this is what makes it uh, good. Um, if, if I have this in my life or this in my life or this in my life, then it's awesome. And what God says is, well, wait a minute, I've actually got a metric already given to you in scripture that, that uh, you need to be measuring your life by. And if it is not my measurement that you're studying, I'll insert something into your storyline to remind you what really is of value. And he does that with Jehoshaphat. Yeah, I mean, we constantly do this. Uh, we compare, uh, we use comparison as a measurement of fairness yeah. or equity or success. We will um, try to judge things by experience, um, looking back on the past, and that will help us determine if this is, if we're heading in the right direction, if this is good or bad. But uh, every time we kind of uh, lean on uh, man-made measurements, uh, man-made scales for determining success or equity or fairness, um, man, those, those can fall short. And I think what uh, Jehoshaphat is, is doing is he's, again, appealing to God. You, you got to give us a perspective that's outside of the mess that will allow us to see it as you see. And I, I think of some of the the classic worship songs they used to be contemporary back in the day yeah. but, you know they open the eyes of my heart lord it wasn't speaking about literal eyes but just idea, god make me more aware yeah. of your presence help me to see where you're moving I, I want to see you i want to be keenly aware what the holy spirit's doing because i believe that uh, the holy spirit is real and that he is at work and that you are accomplishing um, your goal and so yeah this idea of our prayers not just being a a request, uh, you know, a, a lifeline, God come and rescue me. But uh, if we understand that he is allowing us to go through something, then our prayer should also include, God, help me to see your purposes. Or if not your purposes, not the answer to the end of the question, help me to see you so that I am fully focused on you um, and, and, and going to stay committed to that. Yeah, and I, I think the other thing is, um, with that metric, we're going to get some adjustment opportunities. So God will keep adjusting how we gather information, uh, what it is that we think is, um, that is true, you know, all the way back in the garden, uh, they did an assessment, right? God told them this tree will, uh, if you eat of it, you'll die. And they go through a metric. Well, it looks good for food. I mean, all these things that actually were true, but they weren't the measurement that God wanted them to use in that season. And uh, we're in that same kind of moment right now, even with how we gather information, whether it's from social media, who is actually the right authority to be able to tell us whether something is dangerous or not. 
how long will we uh, be able to put up with that if uh, we don't adjust the way that we seek truth? Um, uh, we're we're going to come out with uh, a real a bent towards destructive patterns rather than healthy. And God uses situations like this in Israel's um, history to remind us how to adjust our thinking. Um, Jehoshaphat looks and says, Lord, um, you told us this was our land. You put us in the land. Uh, these are still the things we cling to, your word. So will you accomplish it? And, it and didn't we need seem, to make sure we're doing that. Yeah. And it didn't seem fair to him because from a, from a human standpoint, he says, God, we didn't invade these people when we came into the land. We actually didn't harm them. We allowed them to continue to exist. We could have wiped them out. This is not right that they're coming at us. This is not fair. This is not how it's supposed to go, God. And so you can kind of see Jehoshaphat starting to kind of connect those things. Like, I can't make sense of what God's doing here, why this is happening. From a human, from a human reason, this doesn't make sense. It's not good. Yeah. And so he says there, God, we're going we we're gonna to turn to you uh, because we cannot make sense of this on our own. Yeah. So we start with praise. Then we remember then we appraise our situation using God's measurement or his metric. And then finally, the key phrase that really captivated us is that we yield. It says there uh, at the very end, our God, will you not judge them? We are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. And uh, that needs to be our posture. Um, all the way through. Yeah, I think for me, uh, what really jump out, jumps out to me about verse 12 here is there could come a point, and maybe for some of you this morning, um, this has been, okay, you did it for the first week, and now we're kind of in the end of the second week, and they're still talking about how many more weeks. You were strong at first, and now we're starting to kind of go, okay, I'm over this. This is not okay anymore. I'm 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 really struggling. Now, if that's you, I want I want to encourage you with something. If you when you feel powerless, you need to remember you still have one move. Sometimes yeah. we can play in a game, and uh, we've been playing games at home over the break with the kids. And there, you know, most games it's kind of like you do the math. You know, you, there's not enough points to be scored to, to win. There's not enough properties to buy up. To, to, to be the one who wins Monopoly or you're playing Scrabble, there's not enough pieces left and you've got like all vowels, whatever it might be. When it comes to our lives, the reality of what Jehoshaphat is saying here is, man, it feels like we have no more moves. It, we don't know. We're afraid about these enemies. We do not know what to do next. It doesn't seem right, God, but they still had one move and that move was, yeah. but we are going to look to you. And that's what we have to continue to do. And, and and I can and now Justin, we were talking just about how it kind of seems like we're we're hitting the same thing uh, over and over. But I think this is the banner cry for the church right now. It's consistently as we watch other churches, we're listening to other guys preach what God's laying on their heart. Uh, this passage has been a consistent one, and this verse twelve has been a consistent one, which is we have one move, and that one move right now is not to rely on ourselves or rely on our government or even our doctors. It's to rely on the Lord, and that's where we're going to look. That's where we're going to keep our eyes fixed. Yeah, and I think one of the things that also answers, we've had a few people um, talk to us and say, it feels like I'm not able to do anything to help. 
feel like I'm not doing anything. I feel like I'm not engaging. I don't feel like I'm a useful believer anymore. And uh, I had shared a quote with the church a little while ago that, that uh, it, it does feel at times like if I'm praying, I'm not doing anything. Uh, that's because we've become so dependent on us and our activity as the measurement rather than actually putting our faith in God and yielding. Uh, this is one of the greatest gifts that we that God has given us in this middle of this is that we actually can get on our knees for other people. Uh, and I'm going to challenge our, our Salem hiders. If you have a directory, if you have a church directory, I want you just to start going through there. And the first time through as a family, look at names and just say, uh, I want to pray for them and, and let the spirit of God move you to uh, different names. And when you pray for those different families, when you pray for individuals, when you pray for situations you know about, uh, send them a text and let them know our family this morning was led to pray for you uh, and watch what God does through that activity. Um, and also watch how he shapes your prayers when you begin to think about somebody other than your own situation um, outside of yourself. He's going to have you uh, start getting rid of your idols and start focusing on how you can minister once again. And I think he's going to use prayer life in our church in a significant way. And it might be one of the gifts that we get out of being sequestered for this period of time. So, Yeah, prayer is what we want to encourage you to do um, from this message this morning. Um, using the prayer here, Jehoshaphat, as a, as a model of the heart and the approach, how we approach God through prayer. But I had a, a, one of our uh, Salem Hiders send me an email this week, and they had listened to uh, David Jeremiah preach a sermon. Uh, on this and in his charge to the church and he touched on this passage out of uh, second chronicles and he made this point I, th I think this is kind of maybe my last point for the morning and then we can uh, hear from pastor justin and pray but uh, he said this it takes the same amount of time to pray and to worry one leads to peace the other leads to panic and so i just leave yeah. that with you and uh, hopefully encourage you guys to just continue to look to the Lord. He is not just the only play. He is the play. He is the game-winning move. He is the one with all the answers. And he says, come to me. Give this to me. Keep your eyes focused on me. I will lead you where you need to go. Yeah. Let, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we come before you right now, and we do ask. Uh, uh, that you would help us to keep our eyes on you. Uh, you have asked us uh, when Christ died, the Spirit of God moved from a place, the temple, to your people. It moved to a person, individuals. And so that temple they talk about there in that moment um, is now um, a place where you indwell, you indwell each of us as believers. And so as those who are indwelt with your spirit, as those who right now um, have the ability to come before you without fear, uh, without anything getting in the way. Um, Father, we go before you and we ask on our knees that you would guide us, that you would show us how to act in this season, that you would give us courage and uh, a faith that reaches into the moment. Father, help us to lift one another up in prayer. 
Um, help us to be led by your spirit to write conclusions, to have peace, to be mindful. And Father, I pray that uh, your glory would shine through the activity of your church, that you would enable us to uh, put you on display and the power of the gospel on display in this season of confusion. Help us to seek the right metric and help us to yield, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, man, we hope you're all encouraged. Uh, we are encouraged as your pastors um, to be able to serve uh, this great church body. And, uh, man, we are excited for uh, the potential of coming back together. We don't know exactly when that will be, but, man, that morning is going to be an amazing, amazing morning. And so continue to pray for our church uh, as we continue to uh, do ministry in a new way for the, the coming days. Uh, we're committed to continuing to reaching those who are in need and producing uh, encouraging words uh, from the word of God uh, for this time and for you. So uh, just be praying for our church, be pray, praying for our people, uh, be praying for our leaders, uh, but make this a point this week to pray as a family uh, there's lots that we can be praying for, and we'll be praying for you as well. So I uh, hope you guys have a great week, and we will hopefully uh, see you soon again in person. God bless.